Welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Hume, and I'm here to take you through the very latest news and views, hints, tips, and tricks to help you on your property journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. We are February the 3rd, Friday, as I speak, and it's a rather fresh but not too cold 10 degrees outside and a little bit grey and cloudy here in southwest London. I hope you're well. A few things to report today. Uh, first of all, the main headline and the one that most of you will be thinking about, worrying about possibly, is the fact that the Bank of England has raised interest rates. The Monetary, the monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England met yesterday and as widely reported here over the past few months, they have been raising interest rates steadily in order to combat inflation. The idea being that if you don't control inflation by increasing costs, then people carry on spending. And if they carry on spending, then ultimately inflation never stops. So the idea is to give a little bit of pain, hopefully not too much, in order to stop inflation. But of course, some of those inflationary pressures are outside of the government's control, such as Ukraine and the supply problems and the increased gas, electricity and oil prices, which, of course, all feed through into everything we do. And with inflation running very high, the question on everybody's lips is, is the latest 0.5 percent rise in interest rates to 4 percent from 3.5 the peak of the cycle? Or will we be looking at higher and more painful rises in months to come? Well, this is not financial advice, of course, as always, but our gut feeling is we may actually be at the top of the cycle. Uh, it's widely held that the top of the cycle is 4.5%. That seems to be a consensus with a lot of economists, but I have a feeling that this may well be the top of the cycle here at 4%. Let's hope so, because I know it's causing a lot of you a lot of pain. Uh, yes, so interest rates went up by 0.5%. Will this impact on rates? Well, funnily enough, rates have become more competitive just in the last couple of weeks. And of course, all mainstream lenders were aware that the MPC were likely to put up interest rates by 0.5%. Of course, if you're on a tracker mortgage or a variable rate mortgage, then it will impact on your costs immediately uh, by at least that half point, um, possibly more if your lender widens that gap, which I think is an awful practice. But most of the time, I think you'll find that if you're on a tracker or a variable rate, it will go up by 0.5 of 1%, which depending on the size of your mortgage will depend on what impact it has on you financially. Uh, but it did make me think about back in the day. I'll tell you a story. Back in 1989, the late 80s, the uh, UK had entered the exchange rate mechanism under Nigel Lawson. And the belief was that if we pegged our currency to the rest of Europe, then we would be in a good position to move forward as a country because our there would be a parity with the euro, etc. Now, what happened was that currency speculators started to bet against the pound. And the only way to get higher value in the pound was to raise interest rates. So the government successively raised interest rates as a defense against the value of the pound falling off a cliff. And in doing so, the bets continued to grow. Uh, many people you'll hear, younger people amongst our listeners will hear older people like myself saying, I remember when my interest rate went to 15 or 16 percent back then, which, of course, is true. And it was a struggle. I certainly remember my story, which was that I was an estate agent and I was actually going to work. And it was about eight o'clock in the morning when Mr. Lawson made the announcement that interest rates were going up yet again. Um, and they were already struggling and houses were already failing to sell. Um, the market was very, very slow. 
And as an estate agent managing a branch, I was quite shocked by this. I actually had to pull over the car and think, wow, what do we do now? Because I'd never entered a recession before and didn't really know what it meant or how to handle it. And as a new estate agency manager, I knew I had to think fast. My wife and I had just taken on a mortgage and with rates at 15%, we could barely afford to scrape by. I'm not looking for the sob story here. I actually think young people today have it far worse because although interest rates are at 4%, the value of those loans is so much higher that it's the equivalent of at least that 16%, 15%, probably nearer 20 or 30. So the proportion of income that it swallows is much higher, higher and therefore it's harder for young people. But my story was this, that we then looked at how we could better attack the market in order to try and continue to sell houses. And back then, the answer was to make sure that we took on houses that were priced competitively so that there was a sale available to keep our negotiators confident in the marketplace, which was still there. It was just at a lower level. And having done that, we continued to sell houses. And because we then gained that knowledge, it left us in a really valuable position for those that were struggling to sell as to help them with how to sell in a much more difficult market. And a lot of it comes down to the confidence of the individual agency, the branch manager, and how they feel the market is. But I do remember quite distinctly thinking at one stage, my wife and I, uh, our first mortgage, very high repayments. And it even got to a stage where we thought, well, is the best thing for me to go over to the Middle East and sell houses out there where they were selling by the bucket load? But I really didn't want to do that. We were just at the process where we wanted to start our family as a young couple. We'd just done up our house and loved it. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people find themselves in that position now. So, you know, my heart goes out to you if you're finding it's tough out there. But all I can tell you is you're not alone from the people I speak to every day. Uh, as far as interest rates are concerned, let's hope this is top of the cycle. It does go cyclical. Uh, the one thing I would say is we don't expect any time soon to go back to the era of ultra cheap money. So if you're hoping that those rates will go back to, you know, sub 1%, my gut feeling is not any time soon. So don't hold your breath and think about your own future and how you can protect yourself. Um, this is not financial advice. Obviously, you should take advice from the independent financial advisor to make sure you know what you're doing. But uh, tough times out there. And it actually impacts on everybody. Some people think it just impacts on those that have a mortgage. But of course, it doesn't. Because if you're a buy to let investor, this could be yet another rise could be the straw that broke the camel's back and made you have no choice but to put up your rent. And then, of course, the tenants are impacted by that as well. And we're finding this across the board is that a lot of the rental sector. And by the way, the UK rental sector makes up about 19 percent of UK households. That's a lot. And of those, it's mostly one landlord and one property, each landlord owning one property on average. So therefore, you know, it's not the case of the super rich sitting there smoking cigars. Uh, one third of the properties are owned in cash. And to be fair, those that are owned in cash are unimpacted by interest rate rises, of course. But the other two thirds, the majority, that 66.6 percent, are impacted by these interest rate rises and therefore will look to protect themselves probably if their mortgages are high, especially if they bought in the last few years, because the nearer to today they bought, the more they would have paid and therefore the higher their mortgages, therefore the more pressure there is on them to make sure that they increase their rents. And of course, as you would expect, we've already found meteoric rent rises on the back of the interest rate rises so far, and that's continuing to happen. It's having two impacts. Number one, rent increases are across the board and rife in order for landlords to protect themselves against the increased costs that they're facing. And number two, some landlords just saying, well, actually, even if I increase my rent, it's not going to affect it to enough 
uh, of a difference. So therefore, with all the other increased regulation, I'm selling. And so a lot of landlords are exiting the market this year. Um, that will further impact on the supply chain and that supply chain impact will have further impact on increasing rents. And I do think, I've said for a long time, that I think we're heading for the biggest rental crisis we've seen, certainly in my lifetime. Uh, and no doubt at some point the government will get involved because I do think um, at the moment they seem to be quite blind to this and uh, landlords exiting the market hand over fist will do no favours to the private rental sector. Um, other articles for you today. I wanted to do a little article on house prices in Norbury, the story over the past year and what to expect in 2023. And in Norbury, we're in southwest London here, SW16. It's a commuter area, Zone 3, which will be a familiar kind of area to many of our listeners I know. As those of you outside London, I know some of these prices will seem crazy high. Um, but we are a commuter area. So if you're looking to move to London, we're a good choice. Good balance of value for investment and also, for those of you looking to get into the city, although we don't have a tube line, we do have Zone 3 trains which get into London within 20 minutes or so. So over the past year, properties in Norbury had an overall price of the average price was 540000 And most of these were terraced houses. And that's because the majority of architecture in our area lends itself to 1930s terraced housing. And they sold for an average price of £550,000. Flats in the area sold for an average of £365,000, while larger houses averaged £800,000. Of course, these figures are mean average, and some houses will go for uh, considerably more or considerably less, depending. So overall, sold prices in Norway over the past year were up 5% on the previous year and 15% up on the 2019 peak of 467000 Nationally, the picture is a bit different. Compared with 2021, house prices have risen in most regions and the most has been the West Midlands, and they're up by 11.6%. The cities in this region which have seen the highest growth are Wolverhampton, and that's up by 14.5%, and Hereford, where prices are up 14%. Not far behind is Birmingham, where prices have grown by 11.4% over the past year. The East Midlands, staying with the Midlands, is the region that's second biggest growth. So it just goes to show that that Midlands region has really performed well as far as house price growth is concerned, if you're an investor there. The East Midlands is the region that's seen as the second biggest uh, growth in prices, where there's been a growth of 11.4%. The best performing cities in that region are Nottingham, up 12.4%, Derby, 12.1%, and Leicester, 11.2%. Locally here in Norbury, the story of rental house prices has, as we've already been uh, saying, been shocking, really. And this really has been the shock for so many landlords and tenants this year. A combination of interest rises, interest rate rises, landlords selling up and inflation has led to the busiest rental market we've ever seen in southwest London. Tenants are finding their options limited and prices pressed as a scarcity of stock presses rents to record high levels. Insurers that we deal with are competing with private professionals to house their homeowner clients due to issues with their homes like flood and fire and there's so few around that there are in many cases the insurers are quite prepared to gazump the private tenants in order to secure suitable housing for their often hotel housed um, clients so what does it all mean for the future well we expect houses to be in strong demand due to a lack of supply because many people won't have to sell 
there is quite a lot of equity around since the banking rules changed in 2007-9 after that crisis the stress tests were actually quite strong meaning that most people had to be stress tested up to much higher levels of interest rates and therefore suggesting that they should be safe during a recession of course this won't be true for everybody flats without gardens will be in more plentiful supply as landlords choose to sell up rather than continue in the sector and this may impact upon their price um, this means that we anticipate most prices staying where they are now with many buy-to-let landlords selling up that will place downwards pressure on flats for sale particularly where there's no outside space however Countering this to some degree will be a number of older homeowners looking to move to smaller and more affordable homes. Uh, this means that many people rattling around in rather large houses that would normally stay there or with the fuels crisis and the huge bills that they're paying now for many pensioners. This is unaffordable. And for this reason, demand for ground floor flats particularly and particularly those with gardens will hold up well because both older buyers and first time buyers will compete with those as well as, of course, buy to let investors. So there'll be a huge market for ground floor flats. Apart from that, other news, the north south house price divide is closing, experts say. Research by independent estate agent XP, EXP UK shows the north south gap in property values has reached 93.3 percent. This has widened from 79 percent in 2012 after adjusting for inflation. But since November 2020, values in the north have risen by an average of 8%, driven largely by the northwest, with an increase at 11%, and in Wales, 10%. In comparison, the south has averaged 6%, with the southwest seeing the highest rate of growth at 10%. London only managed a 2% decline. Adam Day, head of EXB UK, said the ongoing regeneration investment in the north should help further close the north-south divide going forward. Although with the gap remaining vast, it's unlikely to tip the scales completely. Well, of course, since the pandemic, we saw a migration of people to other locations because they no longer had to be in London because of the WFH working from home, of course. But I think largely we're through that now. and Many people are finding that they do still need to get back into the city. And we've actually found some people coming back from the coastal areas, finding that it's not the panacea that they thought it would be and that the commute, albeit may not be five days a week, is too troublesome to continue with. Interesting article in The Telegraph about the areas most protected from falling house prices this week as well. It says not all areas will be as badly affected by expected house price falls. The London boroughs of Kensington and Chelsea is the most recession proof area, according to buying agents Garrington Property Finders. This was followed by Westminster and Camden in London. Swansea in Wales and then Oxford. Jonathan Hopper of Garrington Property Finders said prime London postcodes, as well as several property like university cities, are most likely to escape relatively unscathed. Homeowners in these markets often have a good chunk of equity under their belts. The ranking 96 most populated local authority areas was based on factors including levels of mortgage debt, proportion of first time buyers and changes over the last year. Rich buyers expanding their property searches is an article in the Evening Standard, and they're saying that rising prices are even pushing those with higher than average salaries out to the south and east of the capital searching for value. Dartford and Kent and its neighbouring London borough of Beckley and Newham in the east all recorded 34% growth in the number of high earning people living there in the decade from 2020 to 2021, according to the census, according to Savills. Some of London's most expensive London boroughs are home to the greatest number of high earning occupations. The city of London, Richmond upon Thames and Kensington and Chelsea have more than 54% wealth driver roles. In the city, where 65% of the residents have high earning jobs, the average property price is now 828000 
Then there's an article in the Times, and this alludes to what we've been talking about, and that is the Bank of England raising its mortgage rates. And this is an article that's actually published in the Financial Times, the Times, the Daily Mail, the Guardian, and and uh, the most most papers actually. The Bank of England raised its rates from three point five to four percent yesterday on Thursday, the tenth consecutive rise and a fifteen year high. The move was widely predicted as inflation has persisted and remains close to its highest level for 40 years. However, the bank said inflation is likely to have peaked and the recession would be less severe than previously predicted. Number 10 acknowledged mortgage holders face a difficult time, but insisted the focus was on lowering inflation and therefore the government supported the bank's decision. Number 10 added that sound money and a stable economy are the best ways to deliver lower mortgage rates and keep down the cost of mortgage payments. The Lib Dems repeated calls for a mortgage relief fund to protect people at risk of losing their homes, and they're proposing grants of up to £300 a month for those whose mortgage payments increase by more than 10% of their household income. Uh, higher taxes and regulations drive a buy-to-let exodus. This is an article in the Daily Mail, something we've been saying for a while and seeing for a while, actually, practically here at the coalface. Um, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee said that the demand for rental properties continued to outstrip supply as the number of landlords choosing to exit the market increased. Official data shows that rents across all private UK tenancies jumped by 4.2% year-on-year to December, the highest rate recorded since the data set began in 2000 and set began rather since 2016. Ben Beadle, the chief executive of the National Residential Landlords Association, said tax changes had exacerbated the blow of higher mortgage costs for buy-to-let owners. He added, landlords have nowhere to go with higher rates. Renters face a supply crisis and the problem is taxation. Successive interest rate rises mean that the average quoted for a rate for a new buy-to-let mortgage jumped from 2.8% in December to 5.9% today, according to Money Facts. So you can see that a doubling of interest rates means a doubling of costs for landlords or certainly a doubling of their most significant cost. And therefore, that is filtering through into rental prices as well. And the next headline will be no surprise to you, just leading on from that, really. And this is a BBC report. And this is a very sad one, actually. And it always breaks my heart, this, because it's a a cause that I feel strongly about. Uh, First time rough sleepers up by a third in London A report by Combined Homelessness and Information Network funded by the Greater London Authority has found that the number of first time rough sleepers on London streets is up 29 percent year on year. That's a total of of a total of three thousand five hundred and seventy rough sleepers recorded between October and December. One thousand seven hundred were sleeping rough for the first time. Mayor Sadiq Khan said the report was evidence of the devastating fallout of the cost of living crisis with extraordinary financial pressures, putting the poorest Londoners at growing risk of homelessness. Overall, rough sleeping was up 21% year on year. That's an awful statistic. And unfortunately, um, that's the reality of London today. Um, and then there's an article in saying homeowners in a fix. This one was in the Sunday Times. The pain for two million homeowners reaching the end of their fixed rate mortgage deals in 2023 might deter the Bank of England from raising rates much further. And this is our thinking, really, is that although we've had this interest rate rise, we suspect that we might be at the top of the cycle. Some 80 percent of those customers are on rates of 2.4 percent or 2.5 percent or lower. And fixed rates are now around 4.74 percent. In a week where the ECB and the Federal Reserve will also make decisions on interest rates, they said the Bank of England has one of the toughest decisions to make. Of course, this was prior to the rent rise, uh, the rate rise that we've already seen. 
House builders are calling for a revival of the help to buy to hit target. Um, this is Britain's house builders, and they're hoping that they can light a fire under the slowing housing market um, by help to buy. Well, of course, the help to buy scheme did help first time buyers to get on the ladder. But I actually think it was it was much milked by developers. Let's be honest. If you look at the price of those properties, it was inflate, inflated by at least the price of those deposits. When you look at the uh, private market versus those that were on the help to buy scheme, and it did hugely inflate house prices uh, for those new builds, particularly. But I understand why they're asking for it. We do need new homes, and we need them built. And most importantly, we need more affordable homes. A Conservative MP is calling on the government to help landlords to boost rental supply by reforming taxation. And this is Andrew Lua, a Conservative MP for Northampton South, wants an overall increase in house building volumes. There's a common theme here, isn't there? Um, and he makes an eloquent case for saying that restrictions on mortgage interest relief and the imposition of stamp duty levy on the purchase of homes to rent out have made life more costly for landlords. Of course, he hasn't mentioned the massive uh, interest rate rises as well, which also have had a huge impact. Landlords are seeing the cost of their mortgage going up and it quickly becomes a far more financially prudent decision to sell. And to remember that the average landlord is sitting on quite a lot of equity and that's why they have the choice to exit the sector. And obviously, with all the coming legislation, the Renters Reform Act particularly and Section 24, meaning that a lot of landlords can no longer offset tax, have been a driver in those things. Now, we're heading towards the springtime. And normally in the springtime, we would see a lot of properties coming to market. There'll always be the three D's, death, debt and divorce, and those properties will always come to market. Um, but then there'll be people considering whether the right time, it's the right time to move. And of course, this depends largely on your circumstances. If you own in cash and you're moving to another area, chances are whatever, if there's been a fall off in prices in your area, then that will probably be matched by where you're looking to go. But we do have a tendency to be um, blinkered when it comes to looking at house prices. We tend to think that our house price has gone down when we're selling and is going up when we're buying. Um, and we tend to think that the ones we're looking at where we're looking are never coming available and always going up. And uh, I know this can be a real frustration, but often it's about mindset. And you will find that whatever the house prices are in the area you're looking, generally there will be a correlation between those prices and the prices where you live. So, for instance, if you're selling a house in London at a million pounds to move to a house at five hundred thousand pounds and the market falls of about 10 percent, then obviously you'll get one hundred thousand less for your house in London and the house that you're buying elsewhere will only have dropped by 50,000. And conversely, if you're going the other way and you're up, going up market, then a drop in house prices works in your favor because if you're selling at 50 and it goes down 10 percent, yes, you'll only get 450. But the house a million has just come down by 100,000. So there are circumstances in which it's best for you to move in terms of whether you should move, call the market and then move when you can call the market. I would never advise that because if you wait until you can call the market, you're really saying that you've got a crystal ball. You know, everybody thought if you think back to the heady days of the pandemic, when everybody said the housing market would fall off a cliff, what did we discover? It didn't. It was far more resilient than people expected. And I think that's going to be true this time around. We're not going to see the vast level of repossessions that some suggest because people have equity and where they have equity, they have options and affordability is still there for the majority of the market. And also, most importantly, employment with employment running at such strong levels, people aren't out of work and therefore may have to struggle uh, to pay their mortgages, but most will make those mortgages a priority. So what do we see ahead? 
Well, we think there's going to be limited supply coming into springtime. People will still be moving. And if you're considering a move and would like more information or advice on our services, then please do give us a call. Uh, We're in southwest London, SW16. We do sell properties all over and we also auction properties. So if you're thinking of selling or renting your home and you want a bit of advice, you want to chat, then please do call. We're always here for you. And next week, we'll be back with another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. I hope you found it interesting. If you have, please do drop me an email, ken at jamesalexander.com. Thanks for all of your emails so far. It's really encouraging to hear that you're enjoying the show and we'll continue producing them as long as you continue to encourage us. If there's any topics you'd like us to cover or people you'd like us to interview, then please do let us know. Always happy to try and do what our listeners want. So thanks for listening. Look after yourselves. And if you can, your family and friends, we'll be back same time next week with another edition. Until then, ciao. Thank you so much for joining us on yet another edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers podcast. You can find out more at our website, jamesalexander.com. You can email me directly, ken at jamesalexander.com. We are estate agents and we can give you hints, tips, tricks and advice wherever you're buying, selling, moving to or from. Thanks to Ben Sounds for the intro and outro today and thanks to Jack Bowles for production. 